the presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. You know, pioneering movements like this in education, these revolutionary concepts, they only work if they're thought through and deployed effectively and successfully and, and with meaning and relevancy. Welcome to another episode of On Education Presents. On Education is a member of the Educational Podcast Network, and we're so happy you've joined us. In the world of games-based learning and in the world of Minecraft in education, he's a, a legend. Stephen Reed and his team at Immersive Minds build unbelievable worlds and embed them with incredible teaching and learning opportunities. He's a good friend, and we're excited to have him with us on the podcast. Welcome, Stephen, and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Mike and Glenn. Um, although legend is just a bit, uh, it's a bit much, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was good. I was good with it. I was trying to find a really strong word for it, and I, I landed on legend. I'm pretty happy with where, where, where we're at. Um, so, so before we get started, why not give us a bit of uh, an introduction? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and specifically about Immersive Minds. Mm. So, um, so I'm I'm based in Scotland, and for many many years now, nineteen in fact, I have uh, actually this will be my twentieth year. So for two decades, I have uh, used technology to teach, um, even before I was really in education. Um, and when I say, you know, people talk about games-based learning now, and it's this kind of thing that everyone's on board with. And, and I, I sometimes bring up at parties that I used to teach with Command and Conquer Red Alert and the original Tomb Raider. And people are like, you what? Yeah, that's <laughs> a like, good game. Uh, so I've been using, for, so for like 20 years, my head's been in this space, and I've really kind of made it my passion to, to find new and exciting ways of engaging children with with technology and not just games. I mean, I, I, I am a gamer and I've I've loved using games, but you know, podcasting, animation, filmmaking, three uh, D printing, virtual reality. You, you know, I, there's I, there's times where I've just strapped digital cameras to primary school children's feet and then taken them outdoors. <laughs> and we've done we've done hedgehog videos. We pretended to be hedgehogs because this. And yeah, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff I get up to. I'm like, technology for me is is a to the ultimate toy. It's like, what can we do with this? And you know, and that comes with its own trials and tribulations. Goodness knows, I've broken enough cameras and kind of the word "oops" is never far from my lips. Um, but I, but it's been worth it. It's been an incredible journey, and it is my mm. passion. It's my life's passion is finding great ways, new, exciting ways of teaching what we've always taught and what we need to teach. Let's face it, maths and, and the sciences and, and, and literacy, these are important things for our, our, our children to learn um, and our adults to, to, you know, and to deploy as adults. But it's just, there has to be a, a, a million new ways to do it. And I'm making it my mission to find them. So Stephen, you've been such an inspiration with much of my work uh, with Minecraft for my Spanish students. Mm, and so yeah. I had a question about what, what you feel the difference is between worlds that are pre-built 
by an educator or as in, in your company, as far as immersive minds with embedded content already there versus just yeah. having students pick up, for example, a game like Minecraft and start creating? Sure, sure. Um, well, I'm very lucky. To, I mean, I've, I've worked to the point now where I can travel as much as I do. And you guys are probably familiar with just how much I travel. Um, I, I, yeah. I work in 62 countries um, over, you know, in any, I'm not in 62 countries in a year, but our work is. And so in terms of watching the ability to be able to see a, a kind of a rich portfolio of users of, of Minecraft, whether it's existing content or making their own, I have, I, I really have a unique insight into that. And I'm very blessed in that way to be able to, to do that. And so I think the answer to your question is that there's genuinely, there is a huge merit to both. And but I'll start. I'll start with the first, uh, which is, yeah. which is the the pre made content that you mentioned. <sighs> Without sounding too kind of negative or, or controversial about this, things yeah. like Minecraft Education Edition only succeed. You know, pioneering movements like this in education, these revolutionary concepts, they only work if if they're if they're thought through and deployed. Uh, effectively and successfully and and with meaning and relevancy great pedagogy mm. um you know dedicated curriculum and and high high quality and high impact content and mm-hmm. so content and and content sits at the kind of the, the 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 top of that because without content people especially time uh time poor teachers are not going to pick that up they're not going to do it you know whether it's 3d printing or it's virtual reality or it's you know, even learning to podcast, it's, t- teachers aren't mm. going to do it unless there's, it's, well, first of all, it's accessible. But once it's accessible, what content do I have to either engage with or, you know, learn through myself or just deliver to my children? And content is king. And one of the weaknesses in the in the system that I've seen with Minecraft as we've kind of worked with it over the last 10 years um, is, is is exactly that. There, there, is a, there is a struggle to create and deliver uh, content that 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 really allows teachers to, to kind of pick it up and run with it, and so what we've tried to do, and and where we see the biggest successes in our work and other people's work as well, because there's some there's some wonderful stuff out there from from other educators who build pre uh, you know pre made content, pre made education content with Minecraft. Um, what we've seen, where we've seen the biggest immediate successes, and the you know if if it's if you're looking at this from a Microsoft perspective, it's like driving usage and you know logins and sales of the product but if you look at it from a pedagogical um, mm-hmm. sort of educator perspective it's just how effective is this in front of my children and so on where we've seen the biggest successes for both of those metrics is uh is in the the meaningful relevant pre-built content and that comes in a number of uh, sort of there's a number of factors to making that so the first is children have to want to play it in it they see minecraft worlds every day they see incredible things. They go online and they watch YouTube videos of the most amazing uh, people with the most amazing skins, you know, high profile YouTubers with incredible skins, showing them wonderful worlds that they then trottle off and download um, themselves. Um, and so what we have to do in order to create an educational content stream that children want to access is it has to be something that they look at and go, oh, wow, I need to get into this world and do something with this. Um, so, you know, when we build an art studio, for example, which we've just finished, we literally built Claude Monet's art studio 
and we recreated his paintings uh, one to 17,000 scale made entirely out of blocks. So up close, wow. they're just a complete mess. But when you draw back from them, they are a very, yeah. very detailed, massive scale, intricate recreation of Claude Monet's paintings. Now, trying to teach children about Claude Monet is not, it's not the most exciting in the world. But we have mm. children. In fact, we just worked with Steve Isaacs at Mindfair this weekend and did two sessions in the world. The children couldn't get enough of it. They were fascinated by these paintings and they wanted to know yeah. what they were of and why they were this, you know, what style of painting is this and who did this? And they had all these questions. And it's because we made the content, you know, we made them content hungry to begin with. Then come the questions, then you build in the curriculum and then you, of course, create the pedagogy around it. I am never, ever more amazed. I mean, I work with some incredible uh, creators of Minecraft worlds. So I have a build team that just amazes me every day. But I am never more amazed as when you get children creating for themselves. And, and to give you an example of what I mean by that is we did a, a project um, a few years ago where we wanted to create, I wanted to prove the concept of hydroelectric power using Minecraft. And we were doing a big renewable energies project. And there was there was the sort of the, the kickback from the teachers. The, the teacher at the time said to me, um, who's a social studies teacher, said, I can't believe you want to use Minecraft and, you know, you better make you better make this work because, you know, you take two days of my kids time to do this. You're going to have to make that work. And so, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was sitting, you know, and, and I appreciate that. And it was sitting on my it was sitting heavy on my shoulders for the kind of weekend that I was planning it. And then we mm. went in and I kind of had to lay it in the kids hands. And I said, guys, we're going to we're going to look at river ecology and we're going to look at rivers as energy. And this is how we're going to do it. And we're going to go online. We're going to research. We're going to model. We're going to build one out of Lego. We're going to you know, explore the different famous dams of the world. We're going to ask ourselves about the mathematics and the engineering behind them. What, what does it take to flood a valley? I told them a story about a valley in Scotland that was flooded and it had a village in it. And they just moved everybody out of the village and they flooded. It's quite a common story. And they flooded it and turned it into a reservoir. And now when the water goes to below a certain point, only the church steeple sticks out. And you can go and take photographs of it. There's a church steeple sticks out in the middle of the, this sort of lake. Crazy. It's incredible. And uh, and they were fascinated by this. And they jumped on. And of course, the moment of truth was, what are they going to do? And they built this landscape. They manually, as a class of 32 children, they created the valley. They then flooded the valley with water and they came across all the problems with the you know accuracy of water fluids in Minecraft. They sorted the solution out for that. They then created the dam at the end of the valley. They built the power station. And then I thought they were done. I thought, this is it. They've created the, the, the dam, the power station. This is, and But they built a tourist center. Then one kid said to me, what about the fish? And I said, what about mm. them? He said, well, if we dam the rivers, the fish can't get up them. So I said, brilliant. And we went back online and we explored river ecology and salmon and you know fish ladders. So then they engineered a fish ladder. And then they oh, had a... It was amazing. And then one kid said to me, when it rains, a uh, cauldron fills up. So we mm. could have a command block that detects that when the cauldron's you know, filled up, then the power comes on. I've never seen anything like it. And so in contrast to us building these wonderful worlds, these kids just literally created this entire engineering system um, because they know, they know this. This is a literacy for them. They know they know the the, the 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 product. Just just tell them what you want to you want them to build. Yeah. So I think there's merit in both. 
yeah totally and it, so you you brought up so i had a chance to see this this monet world um you, you showed me and it, and it just like my head basically exploded right off my body it was just it's unbelievable and i'm what i'm super curious about is a little bit of the process how how do you even start like I love Minecraft. I'm I was literally playing Minecraft earlier today. Um mm-hmm. I play and build all the time. I couldn't even like begin to know where to start building something like that. Yeah. Um so I'm not saying give us like the how to build Monet's art studio 101 in one seventeenth scale or whatever it was, but yeah. like how do you even start thinking about building something that amazing? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's t- actually, it's a great question because it's taken me a long, long time to appreciate. You know, we can be very critical of ourselves as human beings in general, and particularly as educators, we can be very critical of, the, uh, you know, our own strengths and our own processes for things and so on. But And it's mm-hmm. taken me a long, long time to be able to kind of look myself in the mirror and say, you are really creative. <laughs> Um, and, and people, you know, people tell me that, you know, and, 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 and this is, I really come at this very humbly and I'm not big headed in this way, but people come, you know, people say to me, oh, Stephen, you're so creative. And when I talk to them about it, they go, ah, oh, you know, it's just, you know, pick up a guitar, one of those things. And it is not mm. one of those things. It's an art form, but they don't yes. see it. I think that's one of those sort of issues with creatives and teachers. Um, and so I, but, but what I've, the main concept of what you're asking is, is, who kind of dreams it up to begin with and that's and that for me is really important part there's a lot of people out there trying to build worlds and they're not thinking big enough if you know minecraft can do anything you want it to do it can Mm -hmm. literally you can create anything i mean i have a colleague in the uk a wonderful artist called adam clark and he scanned a human body a prisoner who had passed away and they scanned his body and then they made it in Minecraft and children can now go and it's lying down on this desk and there's nose and there's eyes and there's the head and you can go down its throat and it's, and then he sliced it. He then used a piece of software to slice it and the kids can go and look at all the different parts of the body. It's incredible. Um, Mm. And Minecraft can do anything you want it to do. So what I do is the process is um, I have a little sort of army of some of the most creative builders in the world, but the vision has to come from somewhere. So I spend quite a lot of my time, whether it's on a flight or on a yacht, look at this, <laughs> and I'm sitting on a yacht in, in Seattle right now taking this, and it's, it's a wonderful th- um, thing. But I, Or it might just be at home. It might just be sitting at the kitchen table, and I, and I sketch. It's the artist in me, and I sketch, and I draw, and I, you know, I, I, I have sketch pads and sketch pads and sketch pads of stuff. And then I take those sketches to my builders, and I say, this is what I want. And I, it's all, you know, and I deploy everything from, you know, analytical drawing to, you know, color to um, perspective. And then I, and I take it to them and I say, this is what I want. And you'll notice this is the character. So you're technically the size of a fly. And that makes these big canvases in this art world, so one to whatever scale. And then I sit down with them because I'm also one of the builders on my team. I then sit down with them and we just start building together. But it has to come from a sketch. And actually, um, another colleague of mine, Becky Keane in the States, her and I have a a laugh about it sometimes because she'll sketch for me. And she'll say, right, this is what I want. And she draws like a stick bear (laughs) with like a tree. 
And Becky was just like, wow, I gave you a stick bear and that's what you did. <laughs> and I redesigned it and I showed my guys and I drew the trees and I had the waterfall coming out of the bear's eyes. So it looked like he was crying because of the sort of difficult history of America and um, and the indigenous people specifically. And, and, and I kind of redesigned that. And I put a tweet out recently. I'll just finish by saying I put a tweet out recently, which may not sound like a humble tweet, but it was it was an appreciation for my life and my job. I put a tweet out recently that said, I build dreams that children learn in. And I really do believe that. I really do believe that. I, I build worlds that children want to play in and learn mm. in. And I'm very, I very glad. I remember, Stephen, a few months ago, you and Mike were together in Toronto and you were doing a session and he was live texting during it with Steve Isaacs. Right. Um, you should be paying attention. Or, or he, was, he was texting Steve Isaacs and me. Uh-huh. Um he was explaining that you were giving basically a master class on game-based learning and you were talking about dozens of other games. Can you give us a bit of a tour of game-based learning and what are some of your favorite games? Sure. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I, I I kind of realized after some time in my career that I was picking up games and and teaching with that back then. And I'm talking, you know, like sort of 15 years ago, games-based learning didn't Mm -hmm. have a title. And and and, and I wasn't, I mean, I was certainly, I, suppose I could say I was one of the pioneers of this um, but there were others with me you know and there was some amazing stuff going on in Scotland at the time um, with even the consolarium uh, which came along which was actually you know teachers could hire xboxes um, for free but they had to apply and they could get like a class set of xboxes and that that was a space that existed and it was a government run space in Scotland that existed in that way but we didn't call it games-based learning it didn't have a name of, as such and I um But I did come to a point in my career when I started to kind of see other, meet other people in this movement that was going on. And I was like, we're, we're, we're doing something. And and what is it called? And people started to whisper about, you know, learning through games or games-based learning and stuff like that. And I got really excited about that. And then I remember somebody asking me one day, what is it? And I just, you know, and right there and then was born the, the, the probably the presentation that Mike's talking about because I also did it mm-hmm. I, the first time I ever did it officially was it um, and talked about it officially was at uh, E two in Budapest for Microsoft and I just remember sitting just talking to this guy about you know Command and Conquer Red Alert uh, Journey the, uh, the the original Tomb Raider Valiant Hearts uh, Block and Hood uh, or Block Hood sorry. Um, mm-hmm besiege little big planet i mean we just about eight years ago now we finished a project for the um uh, the oil industry they're using little big planet and it was helping children to understand how renewables uh, sorry how fossil fuels are formed and how we Mm. should be moving away from them which i thought was very brave eight years ago of the kind of the oil industry it was a uk to say look this is where they come from but they are finite and at some point mm-hmm. we're going to have to move. So I kind of jumped on that, and we used Little Big Planet, and it was amazing. We built, you know, we had earthquakes and we had um, anticlines that, you know, and we had oil, and we worked out how to use Little Big Planet to create all these visuals, and then we created it as a story. And the children played the character through these five levels. They went back in time. They went into a time pool. They, they you know, they learned about the the the. the the heat, the pressure, and the um, and the moisture that then made oil. Uh, you know the three the, the three chemical uh, sorry the three scientific processes of of, of creation creating the fossil fuels. Um, and by the time we were finished, they had produced this electricity, which then played their PlayStation back in the house that they had started with in the beginning. 
which then related to the PlayStation they were using right then and there to play this level. So there was this kind of like loop of learning where the kids were like, oh, so that tree fell down 400 million years ago, and now I'm using it to play my PlayStation. So it's kind of like this really lovely loop. Mm. And it just, I just started to realize I'm using all these games for, for play. And so I started to reach out and talk to people about it and, and started to meet my tribe, if you like. And mm-hmm. yeah, some of my favorite games are things like um, Civilization. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, that's I, my I, favorite. That's it, right? For for years, mm-hmm. I've been using um, uh, Age of Empires. Well, I mean, I, I I used to say I I wouldn't be, I I've said it all the time. I wouldn't be a teacher if it wasn't for Civilization. I straight right. up wouldn't yeah. be a teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so so Civilization, um, Age of Empires. Uh, and, and and when I say Age of Empires, I use the uh, the map editor and uh, and all the embellishments. And you know, I say to the kids, we're going to use nice. Age of Empires three, and then what we're going to do is use the map editor. You have all of the the assets that it gives to you, and I want you to build for me a scene from the Oregon Trail. Or we do Age of Empires two, and I say, okay, there's a Joan of Arc um, scenario in there, but I don't want you to play the scenario. I want you to research find out about or do all the stuff that we've been doing on this Joan of Arc project, you know, for the last sort of three weeks. And I want you to tell me the story in Age of Empires. And they go off and they use all the characters and they use the, they place trees and they place buildings and they place rivers and they name the river, you know, because it was something that they read about. And it's just beautiful. Um, Valiant Hearts, we use, uh, even Ark Survival Evolved. I spend quite a bit of time when I'm able to in Ark, the dinosaur movie, uh, sorry, the dinosaur game. I'm thinking of Jurassic Park, but um, yeah, Ark Survival Evolved, <laughs> and um, and we use uh, we use that really quite a lot. Not just for, I mean, teaching dinosaurs is probably the most obvious way, and kids marvel at it because they can see a real T Rex, oh, yeah. you know, as or they can see a right. a, a Tyrannosaurus, uh, sorry, a Triceratops or something. But actually, mm. what I use it for is looking at the food chain and biodiversity, and I, you know, we place the children on an uh, on an island full of herbivores and carnivores and insects and fish. And then I say to them, let's go figure out what this looks like. And then once we're done, we come out of Ark Survival Evolved and we say to them, now, let's take everything we've learned from that experience, including our place in that food chain, and let's apply it to the Canadian Rockies. Or let's apply it to the Australian Outback. Or let's apply it to Central Africa. And then they go off and they apply everything they've learned and they learn about the, you know, the antelope or they learn about the... The, you know the, the 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 beavers in Canada and how they're kind of managing the rivers and the, and the wolves and the and the moose and so on and they do all of that and they come back and they say this is what Canada looks like as a biodiversity uh, model and and they learned and what they learned they learned modeling and arc survival evolved and so it soon you know it became apparent over the years as time went on that we could just you can pick up and I'm not saying you can pick up any game not every game is made equal no sorry not all games are made equal and not every game can be used in the classroom but if you've got yeah. the mindset for it there's a lot you can do with a lot of games Hmm. yeah completely agree i i was i i I just i remember because i was sitting there going guys he's like giving people a games 101 and i don't think they get it but i was like holy crap (laughs) this is amazing it was pretty fun to sit and watch you do it um i i'd like to spend kind of our our last bit here i'd like to spend um a little time talking about one specific project that you've worked on that that is pretty incredible um you recently you recently completed work on uh curriculum related to the refugee experience and the refugee crises 
happening kind of around the world, Greece and these other places where where these refugee crises are occurring. Can you talk a bit first about why you decided to tackle such a, you know, this is a pretty complex, complicated um, emotional issue, but then maybe talk about, you know, the impact and even the reception of it and, and, and just how, how is that, how has it um, been received? Okay. That's a great question. It's actually, this is probably the single most passionate piece of all my work is, Mm. you know, I love, I love teaching. I mean, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not even, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, 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 an English teacher, but I love teaching those things. And I love getting my kind of, Mm. I work with teachers to do all of that sort of stuff. And I I love that. But my real passion as a human being, um, and as the sort of human being that I am, and that's a very sort of compassionate and socialist and empathic human being that I am, I believe that there's always more we could be doing for this world and for each other and for the planet and for the animals and for the you know just just there's all you know there's more we could be doing and and so that contribution is something that a i want to give and b i want to instill in other in other people and so i started a project many years ago called teaching the tough stuff and it just kind of trundles along and it does its thing and some people pick up on it and you know the refugee crisis happened to really pick up but I do things like, you know, using Minecraft to teach religious and moral education and celebration. So we have Minecraft worlds where Muslim and Christian children work together to explore and build structures and uh, within their their Minecraft worlds that 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 teach and celebrate each other's uh, religions. Um, I have a gender equality and equity uh, world where children go in and we have the children build and, you know, do lessons and things. And we have we give them jobs to do. But I consistently pay the girls less. And, you know, I like boys get five diamonds every 15 minutes. Girls get four. And I wait right. for the girls at some point to go, hang on a minute. That's not fair. And I say, yes, it isn't fair. And let's explore that. Um, and, and, you know, and, and the, or the boys laugh. Maybe the boys say first, ha ha, we're getting five and you're getting four. And I say, whoa, 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 let's just stop there and, and let's explore why that's, why that's funny because it's not. And then we, and we, you know, and it is tough stuff. It's, it's stuff that people don't want to talk about. We do, um, you know, we mm. use a variety of different games. Papo and Yo, uh, for example, we use for uh, looking, exploring alcohol awareness. Papo and Yo is a beautiful game told through the eyes of a child whose father is an alcoholic, but he sees him as this big fun monster until he has a drink. Um, and then he kind of crashes up your puzzles and you have to start again. And it's just this really harrowing story of this boy's, uh, this boy's life. We use things like Life is Strange to explore teenage angst and teenage life and relationships. Um, uh, we use things like uh, Papers, Please, for example, to let children look at borders and immigration yeah, and a hell of a game yeah and 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 the reasons people are coming in and the decisions that we make it's like you know the difference between someone's life potentially someone's life and death is a rubber stamp on a borderline yeah. you know and it's just and the yeah. children are like what so then that takes me your segues me into the refugee crisis i um it was 2015 and i was watching the refugee crisis in europe unfold and one of the statistics was uh there were Almost a million people had tried to cross the Mediterranean into Greece in 2015. It's kind of like coming towards the end of that year. And mm-hmm. uh, 5,000, I think it was 5,300 people or whatever had died. I can't remember the exact figure, but it was a, it was a significant number of people 
had died trying to get across. So I was speaking about this at a, a, a school event that I was at, and this this kid said to me, this young kid said to me, well, a number of things. The, f- the first one said, that's a brilliant statistic. And I said, sorry? And he said, that's amazing. I said, how? And he said, because like a million people and only 5,000 you know, 5, drowned. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That was 5,000 human beings that went into the sea and didn't come out. And he just yeah. couldn't get his head around it because it was a mm-hmm. number. There was nothing in that for him but numbers. And that's the danger with, you know, you watch the news yeah. and they give you, yeah. you know, statistics. Oh, you know, there's eight, 8 million homeless people at the moment in this area. And people go, oh, is there? Because 8 million means nothing to them. It's a number. Mm-hmm. Let, you know, so I, so I thought, right, let's, let's, let's talk about this. And one of the other things that came up was this kid said to me, oh, yeah, refugees and immigrants, they come in here and they take our jobs. I said, you're a living. You don't have a job. Ah, but that's what my dad says. And I said, right, okay, so what we're dealing with is, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to tell a child whether they're right or wrong or tell an adult whether their political views are right or wrong, but let's talk about it and let's, you know, explore yeah. it. And so I was hearing this sort of rhetoric coming back from, you know, the kids about, oh, that's a brilliant statistic or they take all our jobs away. And I thought, we have to, we have to talk about this. So I made a Minecraft narrative that allows children to put themselves into the shoes of a refugee fleeing their homes but the perspective i did it from was a western i actually modeled it on britain and i had the children in minecraft uh, their houses were attacked they were bombed out of their homes and they had to go 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 you know there was this sort of sense of urgency and it's really sort of at the time and the kids are all like oh this is amazing i've got to go upstairs and i've got to find three objects and we made this chest where they had to take only three of the objects that were in it because they didn't have time and you know there was money and there's a passport and stuff like that but you'd be amazed how many kids grab an apple a feather and a and a book or something and i'm just like okay and you know as the narrative unfolds they realize what mistake they've made uh we have them survive a minefield and and here's the crux of it when children Mm. die in this narrative they don't just respawn they can't and they say i'll just respawn and i say no you won't because those five thousand people in the mediterranean didn't just respawn back in syria yeah they they wow. just didn't respond. And, we, and I think there's a place, in, you know, I, I, you were asking me about the reaction that we've had to this. We've had overwhelmingly a massive, it's in 53 countries, in downloads, um, uh, over 12,000 downloads in, in 53 countries, which is, which is massive for a Minecraft map of that nature. It's massive. Yes. But, but we've also had the negatives. We've had people say, we don't want you to present that at our event. We're not talking about that. We've even had a threat to our office, like a, a terrorist threat from a white supremacy group. And 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 mm. yeah, I mean, this is I'm going to say this on your podcast because it's how I feel. But you know, it may just be my political stance. But if you're upsetting these sorts of people, you're doing your job. I think. Um, and and, yes, and totally. yeah, absolutely. And and so the but but it's but it's been remarkable. And we've had children now from refugee countries. So, I mean, one I don't know if you're familiar. You, you know, Lanny Watkins in Wales. I'm sure uh, Welsh MIE is a fantastic guy. He ran the project with his kids and he had two Syrian refugees in his school that had been outcast and bullied from the day they'd arrived. He said that just they just couldn't get a break with the, with the Welsh kids, which is really sad to hear. And he said mm-hmm. within a, with, by the time they'd finished this project, they were on the rugby team. They were being taught English by their peers. They were being invited uh, out after school. He said they just they just got it. The kids just got it, you know. Um, and there was questions like, you know, one of the kids said to the Syrian kid, did you come all this way on foot? And he was like, yeah, I did. And they were like, 
wow, because they just didn't think that they had made their way this way on foot. And so it was just, for me, this is what lies at the heart of all of my work is how do we teach children how to be better human beings while teaching them maths, which is important, and English, which is, you know, or languages, which is important, and science, which they're going to need um, in their careers. Let's teach them to be better people, not necessarily first, but certainly as well as, you know. And if Minecraft can help us to do that, then let's get Minecraft in every school. Oh, for sure. So, Stephen, for our audience members that want to connect with you and want to even have deeper conversations about all these topics, uh, how can Mm -hmm. we connect with you? So, um, shameless plug, although you did just invite me, but uh, my my website is www.immersiveminds.com. and you can get me on Twitter at Immersive Mind, uh, sing, uh, singular, and also at Immersive Minds, plural. That's the company. Um, and yes. my Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Immersive Mind. Love Stephen it. Reed, uh, yeah, man. Thanks so much for joining us. This was um, this was amazing. Thanks for your time. No, thank you both brilliantly. Uh, I really, really appreciate Uh, you want to talk about my work. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.